suggestions for one-on-one -on -one study. And the first suggestion we have is keep the appointment and be on time. Uh, if you made an appointment and have made arrangements to study with someone at a specified time, uh, then except for the case of an emergency or special circumstances, be sure to keep uh, that appointment. Be sure to also be there on time. Allow yourself plenty of time to arrive on, on time, know where you're going and know how to get there. Uh, plan ahead and use uh, GPS if necessary. If you're somewhere you've never been before, uh, do kind of like a test drive. Go there the day before or a few hours early and make sure you know where it is so that you can come back later you know how you know exactly where it is. Anytime I preach somewhere and I've never been before, well, the first things we do is once we get into town, we go find the church building so we know where it's at. And so the next morning, uh, we'll know how to get there and know uh, what uh, <clears throat> know what it looks like and everything like that. So make sure you keep your appointment to be on time. If you have to cancel or postpone a study, you need to inform the prospect uh, as soon as possible. At the time uh, we are informing them, you need to make sure uh, to apologize, of course, for whatever reason it is, even if it's something you couldn't you couldn't you know foresee. Uh, couldn't uh, you know? Couldn't do anything about. Be sure to let them know that uh, you do want you did want to have the study, and then also set up a time for to have a study. You know, set up a new time to have a study, even if it's later that day, or if it's the next day, whatever. Make sure you you call them. Make sure you you let them know that you you wanted to be there, but something has happened you couldn't, and then uh, or that you can't be there, and then make sure you set up another time to be there. The third one is to dress in clean and neat clothes. Uh, some people think, well, that doesn't really matter. Well, you know, if you go into someone's home, for instance, say you're a farmer, and you go into someone's home and you got mud and cow, cow feces on your shoes and everything else, uh, even though you're, you're not trying to impress them with your clothes, but make sure you go in there clean and presentable because you are representing the local congregation, you're representing the church. And so don't just don't just sashay in off the farm and smelling like cow dung. Uh, be clean and neat, and when you're ready to do that Bible study, uh, come prepared. Come fully prepared for the study. Uh, make sure you bring plenty of uh, pens and pencils, maybe a few extra notepads if you need to, whatever. Bring some Bibles, extra Bibles as well. Uh, make sure to the if you're using a particular version, then make sure all all of them are the same version or same translation. Um, make sure that you have prepared all your notes and things that you know what you're going to study, you know what you're going to talk about. Come prepared for the study. Uh, you know, don't pull up to the house and spend five minutes out in the car thinking about, okay, what are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, come ready, come prepared, and make sure you have everything. Uh, because if you come in unprepared, they're going to, I'd feel like personally, that, well, I guess this guy really just doesn't really care about that much about this study because he doesn't even know what we're going to talk about. And so come prepared. Uh, send a, spend, I should say, spend a few minutes getting acquainted or in casual conversation. Uh, this helps create a more relaxed and friendly atmosphere. You don't want things to be tense. Uh, some people, of course, uh, especially if they're, some are, as we'll talk about here later, some are just, sometimes you have those Bible studies, you realize that people aren't really interested in studying. They just want to debate, debate with you. And uh, if someone that really isn't in a study, they just want to debate with you or argue with you uh, in, all, in all respects, unless they change their attitude, then you're really just wasting your time. 
because uh, you don't want to spend your days and nights arguing with someone or having them argue with you when you're trying to to, to conduct a, your actual study. And so, uh, but spend a few minutes getting acquainted with them and in a relaxed conversation. Uh, everyone talks about the weather. <laughs> doesn't matter where you are. Uh, if you know they're a sports fan, talk about sports for just a few moments. You know, just lighten things up a little bit so that they're not so... Because sometimes, especially if someone's never had a Bible study, they're going to be real, they could be real tense, and they're, you know, afraid they're going to be grilled, feel like maybe they're going to be in, you know, like they're taking an exam or something. Well, just relax and let them relax and uh, let them go a lot more smoothly. Uh, try to conduct a study uh, at a table. That sounds, you may think, well, that sounds weird. Why can't you do it in the, in the uh, you know, in the living room or whatever? Well, if you're conducting a study or conduct a study at a table, you're able to, Write easily, uh, able to open up your Bible, have plenty of room to, you know, they're trying to hold it in your lap or whatever, and, and you can help them find a Bible verse if they're looking for it, whatever the case may be. It's just a lot easier and a lot more, uh, you're, you're able to, to have more things uh, ready there for you. You know, if you're taking notes, if you have someone, as we'll talk about later, if you have a partner with you, They'll be able to take notes instead of trying to hold a notepad on their pen and write. They can have on the table and take notes, and then they would leave those with them. That's the purpose of someone taking notes during a study. <clears throat> Next, try to study with as few people as possible at one time. Don't try to study with as few people as possible. Try to study. If you're doing it as, at each study, try to, to have a as few people as possible there. Don't try to study with a group of five or ten people at one time. You know, that's ridiculous. Uh, try to study with one, two people. Sometimes you're, you know, husband and wife. Sometimes maybe their children are present. Uh, you know, you can't tell the check get out here. We can only have studies with two or three people at a time. Well, no, of course not. But you don't want to have, if you have a huge group of people, it's hard to answer all their questions, make sure everybody understands for you all move on to the next point. So just try to have a uh, few people there as possible, and then you can always have different times for those individuals to have studies of their own. Uh, but they, if you're afraid maybe that they're not willing to do that on their own, then let them stay. It'll just you just have to make sure that you have answered everyone's questions, everyone's on the same page. And uh, but sometimes you have a lot of people at a Bible study. Um, what will happen is some people will just kind of agree that yeah, they agree agree with what you're saying because they don't want to be the only one who disagrees or doesn't understand something. And so, and you don't want to have someone who, if you have a large group, you don't want to have someone who's just there to antagonize and mock the whole time. So it's just a lot more uh, feasible to have a smaller group of people at a Bible study. Uh, allow for questions while staying on topic. Uh, in a one-on-one -on -one or private study, rather than preach a sermon and deliver a lecture, uh, study with the prospects and give them a chance to ask questions. Try to make them feel uh, as comfortable as, as possible and give them the ability to speak up at any time, uh, any appropriate time. And also, though, you want to make sure that you stay on topic. Uh, you don't want to allow them to get off on talking about something else, like this day and age. You know, what, what, what would be something someone would get off topic on and start talking about politics? Uh, well, we all have plenty to say about that, but that's not, that's not the purpose of the study. And so try to make sure you do your best to stay on topic and keep it going in the right direction that you need uh, the study to go. Uh, when we teach from time to time, uh, we will make mistakes. Uh, you may say, you know, sometimes people say, you know, they ask the question, well, how, you know, how many people, how many people were on Moses' ark? Well, Moses didn't build the ark, did he? Noah did. 
And so sometimes you'll confuse, some people might confuse, just slip a tongue saying Moses instead of Noah, or Moses instead of Abraham, or vice versa. Uh, you know, that's not the end of the world. If you catch yourself and just correct it and move on, uh, don't dwell on it and, and you know, mock, mock yourself in front of them because then they may think, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And so if you make mistakes, just say, oops, I'm going to say such and such, and then just move on. You know, just roll with it and move on. Don't dwell on it. Uh, speak with love and have a good spirit about you. Uh, make sure that when you're talking with them that you're not, you know, telling them this, you know, that, that you're not, that you're speaking with love and sincerity, that you're not speaking angry, that you're not, you know, griping at them, that, you know, they're not members of the church yet or whatever the case may be, you know, speak in love. The Bible teaches that. And to have a good spirit about you. Speaking the truth in love is what the Bible tells us there in the New Testament. Uh, listen carefully and courteously uh, to their comments and questions. You want them to ask questions, and you want to ask them questions. So we'll look at it in just a second. And so when you when they ask questions and they make comments, listen to what they say, and because you want to, they may reveal something in their comments which you can pick up on and help you. Uh, you maybe you want to, if they make a comment or ask a questions, and you can let them know, hey, we're going to address this in our next study. Or if they make a comment, you can pick up on, okay, this is how they feel about this. So when you get to a certain point in that study. You can you you'll be expecting that and know what it is that they're they're thinking. So you kind of you kind of can fill them out, and see where they're coming from. So make sure that you're listening to their comments and their questions. Uh, <clears throat> next, make sure you ask questions. Uh, Jesus Jesus was a master at asking the right questions in the right way and the right time. Of course, being the Son of God. And uh, but make sure you ask questions. Don't just allow it to become a lecture. Even if they just simply say yes or no or give a short answer, that's fine. Keep asking questions and letting them know, and give them a chance to speak. Your role, remember this, is more than simply imparting uh, information. While the teacher does that in the course of his or her teaching, giving out information is not the ultimate goal of teaching. The actual purpose or goal of a private Bible study is to help guide a lost person to salvation. Remember, our final goal is the salvation of a person's soul, not to win arguments with him or her. And so our goal is to for them to obey the gospel, not to win arguments, not just to you know impart information. If you were watching some debates, you had debates or actual debates, and you have those debates where people are just giving a lecture. That's not a debate. They're just putting out this information and then just ignoring what the other debater, other person may say. They ask a question, well, they just get out and they just you know impart more information. And so, you know, this isn't infomercial. You're trying to win them over, to, and you're trying to show them the truth and, ha and, let, and give them the ability to obey the gospel. Uh, <clears throat> establish Bible authority uh, early in the study. If you notice, if you remember, uh, last time when I talked about the one-on-one -on -one Bible study, I used the method of uh, Stacy Ferguson. And remember, his first lesson was on Bible authority. And so you want to establish that in my mind right away. Uh, make sure they understand that the Bible is our authority, and it is uh, where we get our our teachings, our 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 uh, worship style, how we worship, you know, what we do in worship. It's where we get the plan of salvation from. All those things is from the Bible, and the Bible is our authority for all those things. Uh, also, you want to make sure that when a prospect asks a question, try to, to identify in your mind the type of question that's being asked. Uh, 
Some are totally uh, irrelevant, uh, having nothing to do with the subject under discussion. Some are questions uh, are, that are hot questions or loaded questions. Other questions may be about topics we plan to cover uh, in the future. And there are those questions that are directly related to what we are talking about at the time the question is asked. And so identify the questions being asked. If it's a loaded question, uh, use caution. Uh, answer the question, of course, from the Bible. And, uh, you know, you have those that are going to, throughout a study, may become angry and they ask a loaded question. Uh, just, just use caution when you do that. And that's the very next topic. Be extremely careful when answering hot or loaded or emotional questions. In Matthew 10 and verse 16, Christ says to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Uh, we need to make sure that we we answer the question, but we do so with caution. Make sure this is where the speaking love part comes in. Speak the truth in love. And if they become upset, then you know we can't tell them. We can't keep talking to them sometimes until they calm down. They're just going to be upset because they don't like the answer. But let them know this is what the Bible teaches, answer the question, and then move on and do, and do keep covering whatever it is you're talking about. You don't want to just be arguing. Uh, give proof from the Bible to support what you say. By opening the Bible and showing people what the Bible says, uh, then, your, then their reception or rejection is not reception or rejection of us personally. They, either, they are either receiving or rejecting the Bible's message. Uh, we want to leave every study with our prospects saying, or at least thinking to themselves, I have to admit, we read it right out of the Bible. He or she was not just showing me what the Bible says. And so that brings us to the next one, as we see in a moment. Let them read the Bible verses out loud. Have the prospect read the Bible verses. You know, these two give Bible proof, and having a prospect read Bible verses, those go hand in hand. When you're doing your studies, and you have Bible verses, ask them to read the Bible verse. If they can't find it, Find it for them. If they're, re if they're willing to read it, ask them to read it. Because it's one thing to hear someone say it, but when you read it and see it yourselves in black and white print, it, it really stand it really makes an impact. I'll make a point here. When I was I was told a couple of weeks ago about the lectures in Ab in Abilene, the Abilene lectures, and how uh, no, it wasn't Abilene. Maybe it was Pepperdine. Oh. I believe it was Pepperdine. I don't think it was Abilene. I believe it was Pepperdine. But both are liberal schools anyway. But I'm going to say it's Pepperdine. I have the flyer out in my car. Uh, my brother was telling me about their lectureship and some of the interesting topics they had that they were going to discuss. And one of them was, for instance, uh, uh, was one of them was, uh, was being gay and a Christian. Anyway, as I was saying, when I saw that firsthand, I thought, wow, you know, that's that's amazing. You hear it, but when you see it, it really stands out. And so that's the same idea here with Bible proofs and reading the Bible verses. When they can read it and see it themselves, it really makes a difference. Okay. <clears throat> uh, next, review at the beginning of each study. Um, at the end of each study, briefly summarize some of the highlights of the study. And if you are using prepared printed lessons, this is more convenient because you can just look at the lessons. Uh, but make sure you, when you begin a Bible study that you review because they may have forgotten some things. So just quickly review. Don't spend half your study reviewing a previous lesson. Uh, but take a few minutes, 10 maybe, and just review some of the highlights and make sure there's no questions and then go on to the next one. Okay, um, let's see here. 
So you may not know the answer on the spot. Um, when we do not know the answer to a particular question, we need to admit it. Don't try to just go into the I think prospect. Uh, then we need to tell our prospects that we do not that we will do our best to find the answer before our next study. In the same way, the prospect presents an argument that we aren't able to answer on the spur of the moment. We need we should admit that we're not sure how to respond. We will think it over and try to have an answer to the next study. Don't just shoot off a cuff if you don't know how to how how whatever it is they're talking about. Uh, if you don't understand everything about, I don't know what it, I can't think of anything right now. Uh, the afterlife, you know, sometimes people ask questions about you know what happens when you die. If you're not sure, can't re, maybe you just can't remember. Maybe it's not so much that you're not sure, you can't remember, because let's face it, we can't remember every single thing always when we want to remember it. And so just say, you know what, I can't remember, what about, I can't remember exactly uh, how to answer that. Uh, uh, let me think about it, and next week I will have the answer to you for you from the Bible. And while show, I will answer that question to you from the Bible. Uh, Raju says here, someone is very strong in their beliefs. They don't accept the truth, even though they comprehend inside it is fact. Uh, so someone is very strong in their beliefs. So you're saying if someone is very strong in their beliefs, some uh, may not accept the truth, even though they they understand that what the Bible says is right. So if I'm saying correctly, they're they understand what the Bible says. They just they're just not willing to obey it. They have a, you might say more of a uh, uh, oh more of allegiance to their domination or to themselves maybe perhaps or to their family or to the traditions and they're not willing to accept what the bible says is that what you're saying well if that's what you're saying if i'm reading that correctly that's that happens all the time and you know we really can't do much about that uh we we present the truth to them we encourage them to do that which is right but you know as much as we lie to sometimes we can't beat the truth into their heads and get them to obey sometimes they just people just won't do it or perhaps someone else who comes on later and studies with them again and maybe someone else after them, someone else after them, for you know, maybe in a few years they'll give in and say, okay, I see what the Bible's saying, I'm going to obey. And so just because someone's like that, they won't do what is right, you know, you didn't fail, they just need to change their heart. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so you may not know the answer on the spot. Next, leave written materials on appropriate subjects. Uh, for instance, if if you are, if someone is with you and you're taking notes, as that's our next point, uh, let them leave those notes with them. That's the purpose of it. But also, if you're talking about something, if you're covered, if you know what topic you're going to talk about that night, which you should, bring some tracks with you on that topic, and make sure you've read the tracks so you know exactly what they say. Okay, don't hand leave them a track on baptism that you never read. That's a bad idea because when you come back in next time, let me ask questions. Be like, well, I had no idea what that, that track even said. Read it a couple times, be familiar with it, and then leave that track with them. In addition to, if possible, in addition to uh, any notes and anything else you may leave with them. Uh, what about a partner in the study? Uh, that's optional. Um, sometimes if, you, if you're doing a study with someone one-on-one, -on -one, you can write down notes, or maybe you can prepare notes ahead of time to leave with them. Uh, you don't always have someone there to take notes, but maybe you can have prepared a prepared outline what you plan to discuss with them so once you come there when you get ready to leave you can leave that with them say here this is some outline material and what we talked about this evening and leave that with them uh, i think that's one of the best things to do when you have a partner with you uh, if you're studying with a uh, if a woman's interested in the bible study i would encourage you to have at least someone else there with you preferably another woman uh, who can take notes 
Uh, the man leads the study, obviously. Uh, but have a woman or at least have someone else with you. Don't do a one-on-one Bible study with just a female if you're a male. Uh, have someone else there with you. Uh, Raju says, I have a Bible conversation regularly with a denominational preacher. When I talk about Church of Christ, he says that name of the church is not important. But first of all, we must fulfill the will of God. Uh, we know the name is important because some names are unbiblical. Some names are unscriptural. So that's the incorrect statement. Uh, why is a Baptist church unscriptural? What's, or what's unscriptural about their name? Well, it bears the name of a, of a false teaching. It bears the name uh, uh, that's related to their false teachings and their creed books. So that's not a biblical name. Uh, you know, the Methodists, what's biblical about that? It, the name does matter, despite what's, what a denominational preacher may say. Uh, he, he said here, uh, they say, but first, but first of all, we must fulfill the will of God. Uh, denominational preachers sometimes say things, I'll be honest with you, uh, that I have no idea what they're even talking about. You must fulfill the will of God, but what do you mean by that? And what they, what, what they kind of do, they're kind of, they're more the charismatic will say things like that, and because they can mean whatever they want to mean, and and lead people away, way they can, you can say something like that, and someone can interpret it one way, and the, that charismatic person will just let them accept it. And so, <laughs> Raju says, actually, the will of God is the Church of Christ. The will of God is for, for the name to be biblical. You know, there's other biblical names in the Bible besides Church of Christ. The Church of God is a biblical name. They don't, they don't teach the truth, but the name is biblical. Uh, those, sometimes the apostles and Christians are referred to the, referred to as those who were of, quote, the way. Well, the way are those who are following Christ. And so there are several doctrinal names, but you don't really see them. And some, such as the Church of God, you see, but they're not actually teaching the Bible what the Bible teaches because they're doing some other things they shouldn't be doing. Um, but like you said here, when some someone, I think one of the biggest problems we have is, is charismatic, charismatic preachers, denominational preachers saying vague statements so people can take it however they want. And, of course, that's exactly what they want you to do. Um, the last point on do these, because we have some on do not do these after this, have any denominational background questions prepared. Uh, when you teach a person with a denominational background, uh, Brother Campbell says, I highly recommend that you ask a series of questions about the person's salvation slash conversion and their, tr- and their church membership. And that's exactly what was done when I, when I was studying with, with my now father-in-law. Uh, I was a Baptist youth minister at the time, and that's exactly what he did. He asked some questions about my salvation and my conversion, and I don't remember he asked that much about church membership. Uh, I don't remember that part of it. I had to go back. I still have the notes from that from those studies, actually. Uh, he says, ask these at the very beginning, uh, before you ever begin the study. If you forget to do this or do not feel comfortable doing it at the very outset, you need to make sure that you ask them at least before you begin any discussion about the church and salvation. Um uh, he says, uh, he, says, he says, I use a printed copy of these questions so the people that I am teaching write out their own answers. It also works for the teacher to ask the questions orally and write down the answers. Once the questions are answered, set them aside. Do not discuss the person's answers at this time. He says, keep the person's answers or keep the prospect's answers in a safe place so you can refer to them in the future if the, if the study pro- progresses to that point. The written form of questions I use looks like this, and he has this here, and there's a... Uh, Nine questions, one with some subpoints. One, which church are you a member of? Two, um, which or when did you become a member of it? Three, what did you do to become a member of it? 
Uh, four, which other religious groups have you have you been a member in, of in the past? And I'll tell you what, I will type these up and I will add these. I'm going to mark this uh, to our outline because I don't have these in the outline, but I'll add it to it so you'll have it as well because I think this is an excellent point to have. Uh, so number three was, what did you do to become a member of it? Which other religious groups have you been a member of in, of in the past? Do you consider yourself to be a saved person? When were you saved? When did you become a Christian? You notice those are different. When, what did you do in order to be saved? Have you ever been baptized? And he has four questions underneath that. Was this done by sprinkling, pouring, or immersion? After you were saved, how long was it before you were baptized? Because, you know, everyone baptizes, and when some say a prayer, and then, you know, what, you're baptized a week later? Uh, when you were baptized, how many others were baptized at the same time? Because, you know, there are some denominations who will wait until they have a good group of people who need to be baptized in their standards, and then they'll baptize them. Because, you know, you don't want to waste water, right? Why fill the baptistry for one person or go down a lake for one person? Uh, number four, as a result of your baptism, which church did you become a member of? So those are the questions. So you really have 13 questions there. And again, I'll type these up and, get them and add them to this outline before I send it to you. Okay. Um, Raju says, thanks for responding to my comments. It's no problem. I try, I try to keep an eye on that chat box. Sometimes I get going and I, and I forget. Uh, this next section is called, Don't Do These Suggestions. And the first one is, he says, do not answer with I believe, etc. Now some of these kind of go back to what we already talked about. Do not answer with I believe. Remember we said answer a question using the Bible, give Bible proof for what you're saying and teaching. Uh, number two, do not become angry and speak loudly. Uh, that, will not, this, that will not help anything. In fact, it will hurt the study and your influence. Sometimes our prospects might be challenging to deal with because of their attitude or speech, but we must, must not lose our composure. Uh, next one, do not assume things about what a person knows about the Bible. Do not say we know that the Bible says or teaches. It may be that you know, but that is no guarantee that your prospect knows. Either open the Bible and show the particular truth that you have in mind, or else ask questions to find out to find out what the, what the student knows. Uh, do not assume the person whom you are teaching knows everything about the Bible. Uh, this goes, I have several things, he has several things here, he says, says, I do not want to insult those whom I am teaching, but I find it helpful to begin with the idea that my prospects know nothing. Uh, for instance, if a person says he or she believes Jesus as Jesus a son of God, he or she may not be able to explain why. So I recommend a direct question, something like, you say that you believe in Jesus, why? What makes you think that he is God's son? A person's response to this line of question will probably help you understand which direction to go in the study. Um, next one: Do not do not mock the people who you, whom you are who you are teaching. You know, some of these you think, well, yeah, that sounds like no-brainers, uh, but you'd be surprised <laughs> uh, those who mock people. And sometimes, if you know the person, you might might tease them. But in a Bible study, I wouldn't tease about anything. Um, you want to keep it light and, and, and relaxed, but at the same time, you don't be so relaxed that you're mocking them, making fun of them, uh, because then they, they'll lose interest. They may still invite you back for studies, but they're no longer interested because you're just going to mock them and make fun of them. So don't mock the people who, whom, whom you are teaching. Uh, do not try to teach too long at, at any one time, uh, such as when they cannot, uh, do not follow any individuals, that is, do not allow an individual study session or discussion to last too long. Uh, how long should a study last? Uh, 15 minutes, one hour, three hours? 
It depends on the situation. Uh, I know he mentions here how one brother in another country didn't even want to stop for a lunch break. In Fiji, uh, it could go on. I mean, one brother, he'd get, we'd drop him off at 10 o'clock in the morning. We'd have our study with another person, if not two studies. Uh, they last about 30, 40 minutes. And again, the length isn't really that important, but you don't want to go on. If you're, if you're paying attention, you can see if someone's getting tired, and you definitely want to stop then. But you, don't, you really want to stop before they get to that point. And so I, would, I wouldn't recommend. Now, in other countries, it's different um, because, uh, you know, here in the U.S., after, especially after an hour, they must be tapped out for the day. Uh, but overseas, like I said, we'd drop off Brother Ferguson and go and have some other studies, have lunch maybe. Or maybe, no, we wouldn't have lunch. We'd go and have at least two other studies. So he'd be there at least two hours. We come back and he'd we we the other brother go inside and get him. It'd be probably another fifteen twenty minutes. So he'd be there for over two hours. So in other countries, it's not uncommon. Like I'm thinking to Fiji in particular, but here in the U.S., uh, you know, <laughs> here in the U.S., if if we have something that goes over an hour, uh, people kind of get they get pretty tired. You know, sermons they go over thirty minutes, people start freaking out. Uh, so don't go too long. And don't try to go too fast either. Don't try to teach too quickly. Don't feel like you have to cover a certain amount of, of material. If you've done an hour and you've only covered half your material, that's fine. But if they're done, don't don't try to push it on. Don't try to just rush through and get through the rest of it in 15 minutes. Stop and finish it the next time. Uh, Raju says, what if they mock? We know, just show them what the Bible teaches. You know, if they're honest, they'll stop mocking. Uh, because you can, people can mock all they want, and be honest, we're probably we should be used to it. To be honest, people mocking us, you know, people say I've heard people say, well, if you church to Christ, better keep the baptistry warm. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they think that's funny, but you know, at the same time, they forget to look at each open the Bible and show. You know what? It's interesting you say that because in the book of Acts, we see that every conversion involved baptism. So I guess we probably should keep that baptistry warm, shouldn't we? You know, they might not respond to that. Now, you say that, I wouldn't say it like that. Uh, but, you, you know, we might just show them the truth on that. And if they're going to mock, maybe the, maybe by the end of your studies, they won't be mocking anymore. And maybe they'll be changing their minds to, well, I understand why you do that. And so, because <clears throat> someone can mock them as well, saying, well, I guess it's not worth it to baptize just one person. They want to pay with that baptism to just one person. We better baptize five or ten and make it count, right? Make it worth our while. And so it can go both ways, but we don't want to be mocking. Um, okay, let's see our next slide. Do not answer each question immediately. Um, in some cases, it might be best to say something like, this is a good question, Lord willing, we'll see how the Bible answers, answers it. But if you don't mind, I'd like to save that question and talk about it a little later in our study. Uh, Brother Campbell says, My experience has been that if people see that we are sincere in what we are saying, in most cases they will agree to wait and hear the answer later. Sometimes, though, people will insist that we answer their question right now. And in a rare scenario, we may be forced to answer it just because the person says that he or she does not want to continue to study until we first answer his or her question. Uh, that is rare, like he says, but if you tell them, hey, we're going to get to that, can we, let's, let's just stay on top and we'll get to the question and we'll, we'll answer that. And so most of them will, will okay, okay, we'll, you know, they see you're sincere, they're not putting them off. Let's tell them, no, hey, we'll get to that. And then, then make sure you do get to it. Uh, he says, do not answer all yes or no questions with a direct answer. 
Uh, he says, example, does the Church of Christ believe that what? Well, don't always answer that with a direct yes or no. He says, first, determine if this question is relevant to what you are discussing at that time. If not, politely uh, delay in answering, as we saw a minute ago. If the question is a pertinent one, when answering, do not directly say yes or no. Show what the Bible says about it. Then, after you have done that, you can say something like, we have just seen what the Bible teaches about that. And because the, this is what the Bible teaches about such and such, and then that is what we all should believe. Don't you agree? And so don't just say yes or no. Say, well, the Bible says, here's what the Bible says about it, and allow them to read the verse. And then many times you can say, well, what does the Bible say? What does that mean? And then they'll answer the question for themselves. And that is the best way to do a Bible study. Show them what the Bible says, a verse, let them read it. And if they're honest and sincere, they'll see the truth in it. And sometimes it may take a few verses, uh, but do do that and it'll be it'll go along very well. Uh, he says here, do not assume denominations people know everything about their denomination. Uh, that's a very good point. Uh, there's a lot of denomination people who don't even know what their denomination teaches, not everything. Uh, he says, do not assume he or she knows everything about the about the teaching of that particular group. Do not assume he or she believes or accepts everything that his or her, his or her group teaches or practices. That's another one. That's a very good point. Do not assume that the branch, that particular branch of the group of which he or she is a member of is just like all the other branches of that denomination. For example, do not assume that all Baptists are the same because they are not. And he's right. You know, they are what they call, they have some groups, it's called the Primitive Baptist. They do not use... Um, mechanical instruments i believe that's the group and they also baptize they say they baptize for the mission of sins uh not like all the other baptists are they and so make sure that uh you know that they're not all the same um <clears throat> he says do not make a statement about the teachings or practices of a particular denomination denominational group unless you are 100 percent sure that w what you are saying is true Okay, he says, number next one here, he says, do not intentionally say things that you know will be offensive to others. Uh, do not intentionally say things you know will be offensive to others, such as you're not being honest or what's wrong with your brain. Uh, that's kind of like mocking. You know, don't say things that you know is going to offend them. Uh, next one, he says, do not try to refute immediately every false statement that a person might make. Uh, you know, some things you know you're going to study later on, so just... Just let it go, or might just say, you know what, we're going to talk about that later in one of our one of our studies. And so don't don't try to refute it every time. And he says also, do not answer questions for the prospects. When you ask a person a question, allow them to to answer it. Or if they ask a question, don't answer it for them, like we saw earlier. Open up your Bibles and say, well, let's read such and such verse. Allow them to read it, and they'll see. Well, they answer the questions themselves. Uh, the next one I think is very important. Do not begin the first study, I mean the very first study you have with them, by talking about baptism or, as he points out, mechanical instruments. Uh, that's not a good idea. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I like Brother uh, Stacy Ferguson's uh, way of doing it because he doesn't do that. He, he begins with Bible authority. And lastly, he says, if someone uses a verse to try and prove his or her position or idea, if he or she says it, says if what he or she says is not correct, then whenever possible, begin to answer what, what is said by that very verse. So if they use a verse to try to prove their teaching or prove one of their ideas or whatever, use that verse, that very verse, if you can, 
to show that what they're to show that you know what that's not that's not what even that is talking about. Uh, don't just jump through other verses. Start with that verse if you can, and then go if you need to go to some other verses and say, okay, here's what this verse says. Let's break it down and see what it's talking about. You know, phrase by phrase if you need to or whatever, and then go to some other verses to prove what prove the truth on that. Okay, that's going to be it for our class this evening. <clears throat>